Welcome to No Rewind with Larry Betag. The next chapter of your life begins today, and you're playing the hero. Whether you're on track and ready to cross the finish line or need a complete overhaul, you've come to the right place. Join Larry as he walks alongside you in the next chapter of your life. We'll take a deep look under the hood to see how you can take the right steps to go from good to great. Victories aren't easy, but regret can be costly. Welcome to No Rewind. You've only got one shot. This is Larry Betag. Welcome back to No Rewind. I want to first say uh, thank you again to Cherry Creek Mortgage for the sponsorship. Should you need anything, cash out, pay off debts, buy a home, refinance. I want to thank Cherry Creek Mortgage. They've been a great sponsor of this show. Um, I'm here with uh, Brother Jose Ambrosic. And um, Brother Jose and I got to meet each other probably around 14, 15, 16 years ago up in Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. And we've grown a great friendship uh, to the point where he is actually the confirmation sponsor of my oldest uh, son. He hangs out quite a bit with my second oldest son. And just between episodes here, he was talking to my third son. And he spends a lot of time hanging out with my my wife and my two daughters. But he's been a great man of faith. Um, he's been wonderful, uh, a man of direction. But before we hop back in here, as a reiteration, you have to listen to the prior episode. Fascinating, riveting. Uh, Jose was somebody who um, grew up with a really good family, an entrepreneurial father. Um, left, uh, oh, well, uh, left Slovenia uh, during World War II, goes to Peru, um, starts to make a, a way for himself, and gets murdered. And so this 10-year-old boy becomes an atheist uh, because God couldn't do that. There is no God. And we go through the whole conversion process. So now we're through this whole conversion process. And you have found God. Your final words in that last episode is you just knew that you couldn't live a life moving forward without everything centering around him. So where does that take us? Where, where, where do you go from there? Well, you know, God doesn't do things uh, halfway. He does things in a way that make, he makes sure he gets what he wants. And an interesting thing is, and I've seen this uh, afterwards, some people go, let's say, to a retreat or have an interesting or important experience. They have conversion and they're on fire. And sometimes you fast forward six months and the experience is fading and fast forward a year. And it was it's a nice memory, but it didn't actually changed the life. Well, I think about that all the time, too. And, I, you know, I've been to uh, Medjugorje. I've been, um, and this show isn't about Catholicism. This uh, this show is about good to great. That's what my whole theme of the show is. But the fact that we're talking with a Catholic who's really made a determination or a decision to go from good to great, you knew at that point that no matter what, for you to have a good life, it's going to be centered around God. And Yeah. And so when I went to um, Medjugorje, when I've gone on these retreats, the, the presence that I feel on these things are, are you know, I, I tell po- folks, and I have a small group, when you were in God's physical presence, I mean, the, you don't want anything else except for that. It's so magnificent. But you go back, I'm married, I got a wife, I got kids, I got a job, I got two businesses I run, you know, I got a lot of things on my plate, and pretty soon that's gone. And... um 
So, but it, I, I interrupt you, but I think that the magnificence is, is that marriage between you and God, but take it from there. Okay, so what happens at, at the end of this retreat where I convert, and I'm 16 years old, and there's a bunch of guys there who have strong experience, so we say, hey, what are we going to do? Yeah, we have to share this. So we start planning, and we develop uh, the idea of having this camping retreats for younger kids in our school, like from 7th and 8th graders. And so two weeks later, we've organized and we start doing the first retreat. And we took, in six weeks, we took 150 kids from our school on this camping retreat. Mm. I mean, I was atheist two weeks before that. So I have to do a lot of catching up in my reading and understanding what the faith is. So I start reading books, reading the Bible, thinking about it, and trying to, I mean, give these kids the real deal. I didn't want to fail them or deceive them. So I'm very motivated to, to learn about the faith as much as I can. Mm. And this, at the same time, these kids come back from the retreats and we're in the same school. And I, I was part of a, part of the leadership back then. I mean, we organized like the Olympic games inside the school. How so, cool is that? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in good terms with the teachers, so I can go out of class whenever I want, and I can take these kids out of class whenever I want. So for the next three months, I'm taking these kids out of class to talk about their faith, to talk about how they're doing, and I'm doing this on a daily basis. Mm. And so I think what sealed my conversion is seeing how much impact I could have on these kids' lives and seeing how... The fact that we're talking about this and trying to help them is that their hearts are open to God's grace, and I see God's grace working in their hearts, and I can't experience something more amazing than that. And well, so I said, okay, this is amazing. This this is the most important task that, that you can find. Well, I, I love that, and I will tell you, maybe that's one of the reasons why we go along is that I knew that when I was at Malo, working out Malo with you, uh, or not with you, but um, trying to get that reopened. Um, the way that I looked at it is, if I can possibly impact someone's life, there were so many people. We we would have 120 kids a, a week for 10 weeks, so you know 1,200 kids. But um, there were some kids where you just some kids, their parents just dumped them. They they didn't drop them off. They dumped them for the summer. They don't want to be bothered by them, and so you end up becoming really kind of tight and friends with them. And, and I will tell you all these years later, I'm still friends with at least probably about seven, eight, nine of them. And, um, you know, if you can be a catalyst for change, that, that that's what I think is where, it, is that where your heart becomes full? Yeah, uh, totally. And so I, I'm doing this possibly for, as I say, three or four months, come December, I start thinking, well, maybe God wants me to be a priest. That'd be surprising. <laughs> yeah, so four months ago, you're like thinking about how you're going to convince this uh, priest to leave the priesthood because he's, you're an atheist, and now you're thinking about becoming a priest yourself. Yeah. So I go talk to this priest, and uh, and I, I was in the midst of, I mean, doing apostolate, forming groups, getting to know more kids, trying to get more people into the faith, so, and, and I'm doing this with friends of my school. So it's all very exciting. We're sharing this adventure. It's 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 amazing. And then I go and 
And that sounded to me so alien to my experience that, I mean, any, any uh, thought of priestly vocation just disappeared for me at that moment, instantly. Mm. <laughs> and so, well, I, I thought to myself, well, maybe God doesn't want me to be a priest, but I can still do a postulate as a layman. So I said, okay, I'll get married, I'll have a lot of kids, but I'll still be doing a pastorate. And that was the way I planned it. So I went from there, I, I entered uh, the School of Engineering in Lima, I started working for IBM, and uh, yeah, professionally, I had a great future, but I was doing apostolate all the time, and I was cutting into my classes to do more apostolate, I started thinking, well, you know, uh, earning this money is great, but it, I'd be happy earning less if I could work less and have more time to do apostolate. So maybe two or three years later, I realized, no, no, God doesn't want me to be a priest, but he wants me to dedicate myself full time to doing apostolate. And so that's where I realized, okay, I have a concentrated vocation, not to be a priest, but to be an apostle full time. So when you say for the for the average person, you know, I'm in the faith and I'm confused. But what does an apostolate mean? Trying to do everything in your power to get people to meet God, be close with God, have a conversion, love God, put their lives in the right place with God. I mean, live a live a live a life that's for the love and service of others. And uh, I realized that that's uh, the most amazing thing you can do. And so sh to share that with others, and nobody, not everybody has to be consecrated to live a, a, a life of faith. But I felt that there was no more important task in the world than doing that. And I felt that that was God's way of calling me to dedicate myself to that. So mm -hmm. doing apostle is just getting people closer to God, getting them to turn their lives around so they can be uh, live their lives according to to God. Yeah. Mm. Mm. What, a, what, a, what, a, what a great story. Hey, I want to ask you before we keep moving forward here, it, it's been uh, bugging me, I don't want to forget this, but what was the reaction to your teachers and everybody else who, um, and you, uh, you know, your classmates, you know, you're sitting there the day before your, your, your retreat, um, you know, you're arguing, and you're very defensive, and everyone probably knows you're the world's greatest atheist. And then all of a sudden, three months later, you're you're, you're getting 160 students doing an Olympics, you know, for God. What did, what did they all think about your conversion? Well, to be truthful, I wasn't paying much attention. <laughs> I mean, some of them uh, were my friends, and I was talking to them and trying to get into their faith, and some of them were kind of uh, responding in some way or other. Uh my mother was puzzled. She was happy on one side. <laughs> on the other side, she was worried because I have a history of being mischievous. <laughs> and when we get together in the extended family, uh, it's not uncommon for them to, to, to talk about that. That's so funny. I, was, I, I am the last person in the family that they would have imagined would have a religious vocation. Mm. Now, how many siblings? Where are you in line? I'm second of three siblings. Okay. And then we have uh, another uh, 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 set of cousins that are six, 
and another set of castles out of three. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting, and and my mother was very worried. But at, by then, I mean, she she had very little leverage on what I did with my life. So she she was kind of just watching and praying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. That's uh, that's awesome. Um, the, the what what a great experience. Yeah, she just has to probably go along for the ride. So you you go through and and you now decide that you really want to join. Or, or, or become a, a, a brother. And so where, where does that take you from there? Well, I, I had already been part of, the, of this uh, uh, community since I finished high school. I mean, those are the, it was with the, my, my teacher, my religion teacher was part of it, and he was kind of leading it. And so we were all doing apostolate, regardless whether we were going to be a priest or a consecrated layman or get married. We were all embarked in this adventure of getting more people to meet Christ and getting more people engaged with their faith. So it was a lot of fun, and it was very different from most of the experience that we had around us in terms of uh, the church. So we were really, really on fire, and uh, and that was amazing. That was a, a great adventure to have and to be willing to gamble everything on it. I mean, we did, we didn't want to have any security or any drawbacks I mean we were willing to to give it all and and that was part of what made it exciting mm-hmm. that we really were willing to gamble everything so were, were you um, did you have a chance to listen to I, 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 I sent you a, a podcast earlier with um, Monsignor Deutsch did you listen to any of that yeah I did I mean, yeah, I mean his story is amazing also I mean, it's interesting how God works in your heart. The way He left the trading floor, it's—I mean, it had to be the Holy Spirit blowing with all His strength. Well, well, what I want to go to get to because you said something that He, I believe, said, but but the thing that He told me, He goes, "I've never, ever, ever, as a priest, I feel like I'm a, um, a Catholic recruiter, and really, that's not the purpose of the show at all." But, um, you know, he said, I've never, ever, ever had a bad day. He said, I've had bad moments, but never a bad day. And I said to him, I said, well, um, what would you tell people that are youthful, that are contemplating maybe this, but right now, um, you know, it's, it's not popular. And um, there's nothing really popular about being a priest. There's nothing really popular uh, about the Catholic faith. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really, I, I, I think... You know, for him and you, I'm going to say you're, you're radical because you're 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 anti um, anti society in many in many ways. You're not following the crowd. Um, but uh, my my biggest thing, if I'm a 16 to 25 year old, I'm I'm thinking, yeah, you know, Jose is a nice guy. That's great for him, but it's slow, it's boring, and I can't sit on my knees 24 seven just praying. What 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 do you say to people like that? <laughs> well, you know, I actually don't sit. Uh, on my knees 24-7 but I do make sure that, I mean, my day starts every morning, I go out for a run at 5 in the morning I do exercises and I work out, then I come back I have one hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament and that makes my day, I mean, giving God the first fruits of my time but also experiencing His company that hour where I sort out everything that's going through my life and I feel his presence, and I'm nurtured and nourished. And then I have mass, 
and after I finish that, I can confront anything. <laughs> so it's it's pretty amazing. But I, I mean, I've done a lot of interesting things. I, I, I I've uh, I've been an entrepreneur with uh, schools and universities, with uh, businesses. I've made a business of uh, consulting in IT that partnered with IBM to work for big clients in Peru. I've done. I mean. I've had an exciting life, and it's still going on. And uh, but the the thing is, you cannot avoid suffering. Suffering will come to you in different ways, and actually, suffering is something that makes you grow and shapes your life. So you have to embrace suffering. And whether you are in the religious life, whether you are married life, whether you're a believer or not, there will always be things you suffer for. And the the only thing is. Make your suffering count. Make it for things that are worthwhile. Make it. Mm-hmm. Make your suffering give fruits, and not just suffer, just uh, whining and, uh, and and complaining about it. Yeah, I, I did pretty good in my whining. I was I was pretty good with that, and um, I think that um, one of the greatest ways to, to find your um, happiness is to, to quit making it all about yourself. And um, you know, I think for for what Monsignor Deutsch said, he said. Um, that he lives a very exciting, very exciting life, and um, and it sounds to me, I, I you know, the thing that's why I would tell people, as an outsider looking in, I think you live a pretty exciting life yourself. Every time I talk to you, you're you're, you're some different city, um, either living or or, or visiting, and, and the work you do, and um, you know, you're taking my kids skiing and. You know, it, it's just, um, you know, you, you, I, I beat the hell out of you two years ago in the summer with my brother Mark, you know, for, for the, our, our, our seven-day canoe trip. That was crazy. But, I mean, it, it's an adventure. And um, if you like adventure, I'd almost say this is as good as the Marines, although it's not going to be uh, the Marine training. You're still going to have, you know, the full broad uh, spectrum of, of experiences. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to say something that's counterintuitive here. You know, when I was growing up, and I was still atheist, and then after my conversion for a while, I wanted to be a race car driver. I loved cars. I loved driving fast. I loved taking risks. That was so exciting, and so I wanted to be a race car driver. And uh, at first, I didn't think there was any um, anything at odds between... Uh, being a race car driver and a, a community Christian life, and there, there might be people who could do that, but you know what I was seeking was adrenaline. Okay, we I was seeking excitement. I wanted my life to be intense, like a lot of young people. But you know, after a while, I discovered that the most exciting things do not happen outside; they happen inside the hearts of people. And when you're tuned to that, and when you're involved what's going on in the hearts of people and that's the most exciting thing you can see in the world I mean, yeah, the other things are fun but they're not even close to being well, able to see God's grace. Yeah and I think that uh, w- when Monsignor and I were talking I-, I said there's such a major difference between happiness and fulfillment and happiness is, is something that's, that's fleeting and I think that um, you know for me I-, I jumped out of a plane I've done skydiving, I've done you know rock climbing and those are really awesome adrenaline rush moments but do they fill you no and i think that that's why you see a lot of people keep pushing the limits more and more because really they're searching for something 
And really what you want to do is you want to be full. And I think that being full is where it's at. And I think that God's the only thing that can fill you up. Yeah, you know, there's something interesting because this, for those who are, might be familiar with uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits, that was the core of his conversion. He's, so he's, he's wounded in, in a battle and he's uh, recovering. Uh, so he's in bed for maybe six months, I don't know. And uh, so he, the only thing he has to read are books about the life of Christ and life of saints. So on one part, he starts dreaming, daydreaming about being a soldier that is successful and conquers and has all these uh, noble women at his feet, and he enjoys that. And then he starts thinking about the lives of saints, and he also enjoys that. But the difference is, being a hero in a war and having all these women gives him satisfaction in that moment, but leaves him sad after. And when he thinks about being a saint and doing all these heroic feats like other saints, it only makes him happy at that moment. It's a lasting feeling of contentment. So he realizes, okay, there are things that really fill my heart, and then that has to do more with God than with being successful in the world. Yeah, I think that's the heart piece. Um, and I do think, that on the flip side, you know, the sin, too, that, that that's like the, the the best party in the world for for the moment of sin, but it, it not only does it not fill your heart, I think it actually eats away at your heart. So, um, but for the moment, that moment, you know, it, it's a painkiller, and I think the reason it's a good painkiller when you're drinking or doing whatever you're doing, um, or in excess or whatever it might be, um, you're just um, avoiding the, the that hole in your heart is what you're trying to do, you know. Yep, exactly. So you you, you um, tell tell us about your your um, joining the community and um, uh, about what your community does now and um, you know anything else you want to talk about with regards to you know your your, your journey. Well, yeah, um, I mean I I joined the community and uh, it was a young community. We had nothing. We started from scratch, and that uh, from some of the parents of my friends, they were worried. They wanted. Hey, why, why don't you enter a, a community that's already established, that has a history, that has security of some sort? <laughs> and But for us, it was, no, God's calling me this way, so that's fine. And most of our work is working with the poor, working with young people, mentoring young people. It's a lot of what I do. And uh, we have schools, universities, and but the, 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 the core of how we define ourselves is being fully available for the apostolate. So whatever is needed, wherever is needed, I should be ready to pack my bags and go from here to somewhere else, do something else, whatever is needed. And, you know, it, it seems like you're at the mercy of, of circumstances or your superiors, but on the other hand, it's such a free life because you're not attached to anything. You're just open to do whatever God wants for you in any given moment, and 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 that's a that's a, a little scary at first, but on the other hand, as I say, it's it's very amazing because yeah, you are able to do anything at any point, mm. and that's that's exciting. That is, that's almost it's almost very millennial, um, because uh, millennials want their freedom to to go ahead and go and do, and that's uh, um, that that's a very uh, I guess 
freeing thing to just be able to pick up and go um but the the difference is it's not at your bequest it's really a, a god's bequest so what right now as far as your community and where you are right now tell, tell tell us what the what the big things are that you're you're that are on your plate right now and the things that you're doing well i i'm now in costa rica we have a university and it's very exciting because uh we're opening a business school in the university of costa rica we're having our first class and uh yeah it's uh we want to do we want to teach business as a way of living your catholic life your commitment with god and your commitment with the world we want the people to understand the vocation of a business leader of a entrepreneur as something that you contribute to society for the good of society and of course you'll earn money and of course you'll be able to support your family but the main thing is having your sights on how do i serve how do i make use of my talents to build help build a better world and that's pretty exciting so you you it, that is exciting and um you you're building this is this a brand new university in costa rica no it, it's been there for maybe 20 years but we started growing more with the pandemic as we went online we duplicated our enrollment and now we're opening this business school this year next year we're opening a psychology school so i think we're going to be able to form professionals that have a, a view of service uh, through their profession and i think that's going to be a good contribution to society yeah, that's wonderful. You have one down in uh, Peru as well. How many universities do you guys uh, have? We have two universities, uh, one in Peru, one in Costa Rica. The one in Peru is quite successful. Uh, I founded that with two other friends 20 years ago, yeah, 25 years ago. And you have and how many students now? It's huge. 8,000 students, excellent reputation for excellent formation. We're very demanding. Uh, but it's good. And say say the say the name of the town. I think it's Arequipa. Is that it? Arequipa. It's a university, St. Paul University in Arequipa. That's wonderful. Now, how often do you get down there? Well, if it weren't for the pandemic, I'd typically be there a couple times a year. Okay, very good. So, if you were, this is uh, as we kind of wrap this up. What I want to do is kind of just turn this over to you. If you had a message to the youth or the people, and you had a platform, and, and, and for one minute now, you're a priest, and you get to go ahead and give any minute, or give any message. Um, tell me as far as um, um, what, what that message might be. Okay, so uh, I think in terms of uh, the culture uh, falling apart and politics, it, it's a mess. It's a mess in the U.S. It's a mess in Peru. It's a mess in almost every country in Latin America. And so I see people wanting to be successful with their lives. But, you know, you can be successful and be of service. And especially if you focus not so much on earning money, but being of service and putting your profession, your talents, developing so you can serve others and lead a good life, I think that's the best service you can do. And if you love God and if you try to love other people, I mean, you will find the right way to serve. You just have to put love and service above everything else, and you'll lead a happy life. So let me ask you one more tough question, then we get to the fun stuff. Um, but with regards to 
if you find God and love God and all that stuff, how, how, how do you get there? Well, <laughs> you have to figure out what are your priorities in life. There's this book by Viktor Frankl. Uh, a Man's Search for Meaning. Exactly. That's a good way to start just thinking about it. Okay, what's the meaning of my life? Is my life about me or is my life about something bigger than me? Tell, tell, them, who, tell them who Victor Frankl is. I'm in the midst of rereading this right now. Actually, it's kind of funny you brought this up because I, re, I always read two or three books simultaneously. I'm probably about halfway through this book. Okay, so Victor Frankl is a, it, it, it's a, a Jewish uh, psychologist or psychiatrist and uh, he gets uh, he, he falls into a prison camp uh, I mean, an extermination camp in the, in Nazi Germany, and so he barely survives. But he keeps his cool, and while he's in the camp, he starts studying people around him and says, "Okay, who will survive? Who will make it out of here?" And he realizes that the people that have the best chance of surviving are not the healthier or the more stronger or the more intelligent or the more cultivated. No, the people that survive are those who had a meaning in their lives. They had a reason to live. They had a reason to live that was beyond their own interest or expectations. They had something to live for, be it other family, other friends, a mission in life. And so he started, that, that, that's where it comes out, man's search for meaning. Mm. Meaning is the most important thing we can have in life because that's what makes our lives worthwhile. So that's where you need to start. And when you start finding meaning beyond yourself, then you're on the right path. Yeah, I got to tell you, I think that that's a big problem for society today. And I think in the United States in particular, that everybody is, um, they, they have more than enough to get by, but their 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 hearts are starving. And so um, this has been a great, 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 um, great episode. I'm going to um, you know one of my favorite games. Remember that, that game that you, when you've been at my house called Rapid Fire? Oh, no. Okay, well, I, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Well, let, let's do a couple sincere. Let's do one, two really easy questions. Uh, um, what, what, well, these, these won't be easy. These will be deep ones. What's the happiest you've ever been? Um, what, what are the most fulfilling moments ever as a brother? Uh, when I see a young man experiencing hope and freedom discovering that he can be free and that he can hope for more I mean that's that's like giving that's like sharing God's uh, uh, capacity to give life so that, that's the most amazing experience that you can have okay on the on the negative what what's the hardest this has ever been for you when somebody you love betrays himself and uh, goes in the wrong path when he doesn't want to love or when he doesn't want to take the risk of loving and closes his heart. That's the hardest because you know he's doing damage to himself, but, but he's free to do it. So you can only pray for him and grieve and hope that sometime he'll change again. Well, that's great. That's great. I've never heard that response, but that's a wonderful response. Okay, so let's go do a couple quick light ones here, and then we're going to wrap things up here. Okay, rapid fire really quickly. Um if you're going to die and this is your last meal tonight, what is the last meal? You can have any meal on the earth. What will it consist of? Well, <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I, Italian or steak, whatever. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. I, I haven't really thought about that, but yeah. 
Okay. All right. If, if you're going to have a drink, what's your uh, favorite drink? Well, Kahlua. Kahlua? Yeah. Very good. On the rocks? Yep. Exactly. Okay. Uh, bucket list places you've never been to that you want to go to? Vienna. Vienna, Austria? Yep. Okay. Um, how about a uh, place that you've been to that you can't wait to go back to? Rome. Okay. Um, a place that you've been to, you you would be happy if you never saw it again the rest of your life? Ooh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I don't know that I can say anything about that because I, I, I've thought about that kind of stuff before. And in the weirdest places, like even in Calcutta or in Callao, the port of Peru, you find beautiful people, you find beautiful souls. So, yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's a hard one. Okay. And then a bucket list activity that you'd like to do. Oh, wow. Uh, I'll go first. Make it easy on you. I would love to do wingsuiting. You know, when you jump out uh, uh, off of like the side of a mountain with that wingsuit. But I wouldn't want to do it off the side of a mountain because I know I'd die. I'd probably want to, <laughs> I, I, I want to do it off the, uh, out of a plane uh, or a helicopter really high up and do that. That'd be fun. Yeah, I, 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 I would have done that before. But, you know, uh, right now, uh, adrenaline is not uh, high on my, on my list. I, I, maybe I'd like to do like uh, heli skiing. That'd be nice. That would be fun. Okay, a um, couple more. If you can meet anybody in uh, alive in this world and have dinner with, yeah, dinner drinks with, who would that be for a night? Jordan Peterson. Who? Jordan Peterson. Who's that? That's a Canadian psychologist. Uh, who's quite famous now interesting guy he's going totally against the grain and I think he's paying a high price for it but I think he's the better man for it alright so everyone google him look him up and uh, you, you got a little bit of education my last one here other than Jesus because everyone would pick Jesus a historical figure that's not alive today that you would like to have uh, a d a dinner and drinks with Cicero Cicero I've never heard that one why Oh, I mean, Cicero or Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius is a stoic uh, emperor in the in Rome, maybe the, I think the second or third century, and he actually persecuted Christians. But his ethics of life are amazing. And Cicero was a very good man who longed for the real God. He was he lived a century before Christ, and he was a very honest man in a very difficult time in Rome. That's great. That's awesome. Well, there you go. You have um, a rapid fire with um, with Jose Ambrosic. So, um, tell them the name of your community. I'm sorry. Come in my community. Yeah, say the name of your community. Oh, it's Sodality of Christian Life, which means the Christian Life Movement. It means Community of Christian Life. Okay. Well, um, anything else you want to get wrap us uh, um, do to before we wrap up here? No, I'm 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 happy. Thank thank you for giving me this opportunity to share. I mean, you're a, you're an amazing friend, and I cherish your 
friendship and the friendship with your family. So I, I'm happy to have any opportunity to interact with you. Well, me too. And I was thinking as you were talking, you were in last time, and I spent the least amount of time with you in um, uh, when you were here. And I feel like I've spent more time with you in this last hour and a half than I probably spent with you in the last year. So thank you for, for spending time. No, no, happy to. And uh, we'll do it anytime you want. Everybody, I want to say uh, thank you. A uh, 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 special thanks to Jose Ambrosic, and I want to thank again Cherry Creek Mortgage um, as I shamelessly self-promote this. Um, but um, uh, again, no rewind. If you like this, I'm going to ask that you share this on Facebook and social media, and if you'd be kind enough to give a review, I'd appreciate it. Until then, this is Larry Bettag with No Rewind. Make your life the best. Thinking about buying a new home or refinancing your existing one? With interest rates this low, what are you waiting for? Today's historically low rates means now is a great time to take the next step. Talk to Larry Betag from Cherry Creek Mortgage. Larry is a great resource to answer all your home financing questions. Call Larry at 630-524-9677 or visit www.cherrycreekmortgage.com forward slash Larry Betag. Larry Betag, NMLS number 158606. Cherry Creek Mortgage Company, Inc., NMLS number 3001, an equal housing opportunity lender. Not everyone will qualify for products offered. Thank you for joining Larry Betag at No Rewind. Be sure to repost this podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contact Larry directly, you can email him at betag at comcast.net. Or you can call him at 630-417-7172. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of No Rewind. No Rewind.